right then, welcome back to the foxhole on a overcast Friday here at Eagle's Nest 2 Studios, Studio A, Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, Season 6, Episode 28, Number 188 overall. Grateful host Ken Harlan, glad to be here bringing you tales from the foxhole for another week. As always, we thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com and Mixler for the tunes used in the podcast. Our typical shout-out to the folks at Road and Zoom for providing wonderful tune <laughs> tools for content creation. Tunes and videos, too, if you use those tools for that purpose, I suppose. Want to be on the podcast, sponsor it, you know, anything like that. Definitely more like want to be on it because we know nobody's going to sponsor us. But hey, you never know. It is the holidays. F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. A lot going on here on a Friday. Sitting here chilling in studio away in the Metroplex. Over my shoulder. Taking a gander as we have Nottingham Forest and the Spurs getting ready to go for 90 minutes and whatever stoppage time might be out there. So we'll be watching that for amusement during the taping of this particular podcast. Let's kick into open face. Unfortunately, got to start off with a somber note. So we have three major passings this week. First off, Frank Wycheck, former Oiler, Titan, Redskin, you know, one of the classic H-backs. From you know when people started fooling around in that type of formation, but definitely on those Tennessee teams, part of the Music City miracle. Passed away at fifty three, I guess, in a fall. You know, he had some. He said that he had some issues with CTE, but I don't think it had anything to do with his fall. But anyways, a very beloved member of that organization. Then you have George McGinnis, legendary ABA and NBA. You know, obviously, made a, a big name for himself in the ABA, but he was part of that first team with Dr. J in the 76ers that ultimately lost to the Trailblazers when the Trailblazers won their only championship in 77. You know, one of the super teams that didn't get it done. As I remember, you know, when, when Big George and Dr. J paired up, it's like, who's going to beat these guys? Anyways, he was 77. Vic Davalio. Legendary guy all over the place. You know, for me, in my memories of him and Manny Moda being, you know, all-time pinch hitters, but he passes away at 87. Our condolences go out to their families and friends. Okay, so let's get into the heart of open face. Well, Mr. Vincent, Mr. Troy, you know, former player, basically Mr. Goodell's consigliere as far as running the operations up there in the offices on Broadway for the No Fun League. He has come out and basically said, yeah, we know the officiating sucks and we're committed to fixing it. Hmm. You're coming out and saying this now. Okay, this podcast has been on since 2020. So we're almost 2024. And you know I've been bitching about this since day one, about how horrible the officiating is 
in that sport in all sports. And while I can appreciate Troy coming out and admitting it's broken, this this is this past weekend. We'll get into this a little bit later in the NFL report. Once again, the zebras and their inconsistency driving fans, betters, and observers up the wall with the lack of consistency and aptitude, whatever you want to call it. Now, my point on ranting on this would be, what the F are you going to do to actually fix this thing? You know, to me, it's, it's pretty simple. And I think this should be maybe a partnership of all of the major sports leagues in the United States. And you build an institute, you know, sort of like West Point or Annapolis for officiating. You build the criteria in terms of who gets in and how you're appointed, but really make it a science and a discipline. And you get the best of the best. And you also leverage technology to the point where it actually works and it's not inconsistent either. Otherwise, you're just talking out of both sides of your of your mouth or out of your ass, as far as I'm concerned, is fixing it. I mean, it requires a complete overhaul and a complete rethinking to the approach. The technology's there, the money's definitely there in order to completely remake this. I mean, yes, certain sports like baseball, soccer, you know, the, the kind of stuff that they're experimenting in developmental leagues. I mean, the NFL, I guess, could do that in a partnership with the NCAA, but the officiating in the NCAA is garbage as well. And, you know, while I think what's going on in, with baseball and soccer is pretty cool, yeah, you know, it, 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 it barely flicks at the surface. Like I said, I think this requires a complete overhaul, rethinking, and you know, creating a major institute, you know, where you get the best and you have rigorous training and you take a completely different approach to how officiating is done. I mean, that's how things are called on the field, leveraging technology, all of those things. To me, it's not unreasonable the time has come because you saw how pissed off Mahomes is, and that's just a reflection of how any of us are on any given day when the zebras don't get it right. Yeah? Okay. How about the 515 option? A lot of conversation about that. No, we're not talking about girls at 15 sexually knowing, you know, get my little quadrophenia reference in. So the NFL had two Monday night games at 515. And... Some folks were kind of cranky, thinking it should be staggered. I kind of thought it was kind of cool, because I'm one of these people that always has multiple screens up, so I can watch both games. But I'm kind of wondering. You know, I love the idea of having multiple games and having options. And it can be staggered, or you can have two at the same time. I'm kind of curious to see what people out there and that are listening, if you know they care to like give me some feedback, what you all thought about this? Because I thought you know having two games at once didn't bother me at one bit. You know, you sure is kind of nice when they're staggered and you've got something to watch after the first game is done. But sort of watching both games simultaneously on both screens in Studio B, I thought it was really cool watching the ups and downs and just almost how these games were in sync in terms of how 
the outcome swung. We'll talk more about that in the NFL report. But yeah, that was kind of interesting. Okay. You got Al Michaels getting the playoff hook. What do I mean by that? Well, he is not on the playoff announcing roster. Are we surprised? I don't think Al needs to be put off the pasture, but it is the playoffs, and we don't need his salty rants and his lack of focus. I mean, there's plenty of good talent out there, not for anybody ever getting put out the pasture, but I'm not surprised. We'll have a little bit more about this, because I know it was a shock to him. There's other people who are taking claim that they're the reason why for him you know, taking a swipe at the Swifties, but we'll get to that a little bit later. I'm sure you know where that's going. But yeah, it's not to me a surprise at all, given the talent in the booth right now and what these leagues want to do as far as showcasing the playoffs. He's called many playoff games. As long as he doesn't lose his gig with Herb Street, no harm, no foul there. Okay. Super Bowl returning to Los Angeles in 2027. Are we surprised by that? Hell no. Between Vegas and LA becoming the true entertainment sports meccas, of course, the Super Bowl is going to be there quite a bit. Especially with LA, that time of year, the weather's great. Everything's happening. Now that you have a state-of-the-art facility like SoFi, why not have the game there as much as possible? I know all you other cities are building state-of-the-art stadiums in cold-weather climates, hoping for just a host of Super Bowl. That may happen once a decade. Nobody wants to go to Detroit, Minneapolis, <laughs> D.C., or Buffalo <laughs> in February when it is colder than Antarctica. It, it just Super Bowl is a big party. And so... If we were to get to L.A. again, and I'm sure Vegas will get another one in, in due, due time as well, it just makes more sense to have it in this place. If you've ever been to Super Bowl week, you know what I mean in terms of people go down there to live their best lives and enjoy themselves. Don't want to be cooped up inside, you know, or taking a tour of the city, bundled up like, a, like you're going on an Everest expedition. Okay. I think it's also interesting that Brazil is going to be hosting a regular season game, I think, next year. Mr. Goodell and partners trying to make the game global. You know, had games over in, obviously, merry old England and Germany this year, Mexico. So spreading it over into South America only makes sense. They've got the stadiums, obviously, you know, from hosting a World Cup recently. Going to be curious to see how it is received in Brazil. Always trying to make them dollars, spread the shield's power. Okay, here's an interesting one that I've been kind of keeping my eye on. The Capitals and Wizards leaving D.C. for Northern Virginia. Now, apparently, D.C. is going to have a counter offer to prevent that from happening, but from all views from this perspective, it's kind of a done deal that neighborhood where the Caps and Wiz play has sort of been taken over by homeless, druggies, prostitutes, and other things. And it's just, in terms of, you know, we talked about L.A. and Vegas being these entertainment hubs, that, you know, places like Northern Virginia and, you know, other suburban areas 
in order to be viable. They're going to throw out a lot of money and create the game day, the full-on experience. So if you can create something out in Northern Virginia, and that's obviously got access to the metro, why not? It might suck for folks in the Maryland side of the DMV, but this is where the money's going. And I think for me, it's going to be curious, does this pretty much pave the way for the commanders to leave Maryland and get back to D.C. a la the RFK site. All kinds of interesting things going on. Okay, here's another one. So, you always like to think of the good stuff people are doing. I don't care what side you're on in this in terms of the things that are going on with Hamas and Israel. But, you know, it is disturbing some of the behavior of some folks in this country and it's very cool to see mr kraft that's right that mr kraft owner of the patriots is going to be donating a hundred million dollars to fight the rise of anti-semitism in the u.s i always like when people are putting their money behind a good cause and anytime there's hate you gotta like do whatever you can and hopefully that hundred million dollars educates some of these knuckleheads that are out there still espousing those views Knock it off already. I find this kind of funny. The juice, that's right, or Rinthal James, being on the It Is What It Is podcast and people losing their minds over it. <laughs> well, you have to understand, as a podcast host, I mean, I don't necessarily have the reach quite yet to reach out to people like that to get viewers, but those folks who've obviously got an audience, it's about building that. And the folks doing this, obviously, they're on the more provocative side. He's a free man. Regardless of how you feel about his past deeds, you have to figure getting the juice on is going to be a compelling hour or two. It's getting him to talk about whatever at this point. You may you know, put a close pinch of your nose while that's going on, but I can't really fault these folks in terms of trying to get people to tune into their podcasts. I know if OJ wanted to come on FTI and FX, I would say, sure. I have no idea why I would ask him. Oh, actually, I do. <laughs> After just watching the 30 for 30 again. But yeah, I would have him on my podcast, no problem. You know, and I, I'd take the flack for it. It's just, I don't know. It's up. I think whenever you get an opportunity to have something, you know, a compelling guest or a topic, you have to seize it. I mean, there are things that are in questionable taste, and this would definitely be along those lines. But I definitely know that if you grew up what I did and you watched OJ as a football player, there is still some redeeming value without getting into the crimes that, you know, he supposedly committed and got away with. And even still, the thing that he did get sent up the river for, even getting him to espouse on that, you know, would be interesting conversation. At least that's how the way I feel. Okay. Yeah, we're running a little bit hot here on Open Face. There's nothing we really have ever problem with that this time of year. As the Spurs and Nottingham Forest have already kicked off. I don't know. I, I, so the, the Stones actually just released a deluxe version of their latest album, Hackney Diamonds, which has got, you know, basically live performances with Lady Gaga and others. That 
And Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend, after wrapping up their little orchestral thing, talking about what should we do about the future? We need to have lunch and have discussions. My question is, do you think the, the Who and Stone should hang it up at this point? And I'm kind of torn by this. Because, yeah, you know, at times you wonder that they're embarrassing themselves. And then other times it's like, yeah, okay, this is sort of listenable. And my take on whether the Who or Stone should hang it up is this. As long as they want to, they've earned the right to embarrass themselves or even stun us at this point. They get to hang it up when they say so. They say so. Obviously, people are willing to open their wallets anytime they go on a tour. You know, I think more so for the Stones than the Who. But Pete and Roger are still making ducats, banging around, you know, the venues globally. So why not? If they're not bored with the rock, go rocket guys. Okay. Lastly, so and this one actually kind of warps me out too. So there's an in and out that just opened up in Idaho, the first for that state. You know, it gets pretty cold in Idaho, as most places in the, in the Northwest this time of year. There are folks who camped out eight hours overnight waiting in line for their turn for a double-double. Now, don't get me wrong. I love me some double-double action and all that good stuff, you know, animal style, whatever the case may be. You know, being a Southern California guy or, you know, person who's, who's lived in Southern California and knows the food culture very well. Always will be a Tommy's guy over In-N-Out. You all know that. But nonetheless, I got that mad love for In-N-Out as well. But I ain't waiting no eight hours for a double-double. It ain't that great. It's yum. But eight hours, yo? Come on, people. All right, folks. Obviously, we got the cracklings going here in the, in the foxhole. Off to a good start. We'll be back with the high view on campus when we return. Back to the foxhole, just sitting here collecting some information and other fun stuff before we gather our friends up, get our Uber, get our way to the Eugene Airport so we can saunter our way through TSA so we can get to our Gulfstream 650 that's gassed up. We're going to take a very high view this week above the campuses of America. It's 43K view. A lot going on in campus. Just sort of lemon through here. Looking for some more bullet points at the last minute. Seeing that Colorado just added some folks in the transfer portal. So you know, that's pretty much the big deal right now as we transition from the regular season of football into the Bulls and ultimately the college football playoff. And, and you also got college basketball going on and other sports that should get some love as well. So we had the awards last week and the big deal there 
Jaden Daniels of LSU winning the Heisman. And I remember that guy who's like a freshman in stunned Oregon. I thought, well, you know, there, there was things I saw about this kid's game then where I was like, wow, this guy is something else. I mean, he's obviously a lot rawer then than he, than he is now. But to be truthful, I was kind of surprised that he won it. I know LSU had a decent season, but they ain't in the CFP. They lost a couple of games to where some of the other people, I mean, let's say, for example, Bo Nix gets penalized for losing to the Huskies twice very narrowly. You know, I mean, obviously, I got my issues with Bo Nix and his 8,000 years being there. Michael Penix Jr., undefeated, beat Bo Nix twice. So, because D Daniels is a baller, I'm not going to sit here and scream it with bloody murder. But if I had a vote, I'd have probably given it to Penix Jr. So I think they got it wrong. But, you know, saying that they got it wrong doesn't mean Jaden Daniels isn't deserving. The guy put up great numbers, and he's exciting to watch, and it's going to be fun to continue to watch him down the line. You know, I remember, like I said, I watched him from the beginning and thought, man, this kid can ball. You know, I mean, feet, arm, all that stuff. So, you know, that was kind of interesting when he left ASU. The whole thing is crazy, you know, right? As we call it, the quarterback expressway. You know, with Mr. Gabriel leaving Norman to come to Eugene. And, right, well, that means, you know, like Trey Thompson, who's been waiting forever, you know, right? You figured after Herbert, then obviously Bo Nix comes in there. Now he's like, well, F it. If you're going to bring Gabriel here, I might as well hit the road. And it's kind of interesting now for folks who've been kind of waiting their turn. You know, kind of mentioned the whole thing last week about Mr. Manning and the other kid over at Texas as well, with Evers probably coming back, or Evers coming back. If you're a high school quarterback, and even worse, if you're a junior college quarterback, you're really sweating if the phone's ever going to ring. Because no longer are you the highest priority unless you are extremely bona fide, as they say. Because with this flexible tra transfer portal, being able to scoop up folks, and you know, we're getting to a point now, as I was speaking with a friend of the show, Andy G, the other day, well, with the schools taking over, and the money being, you know, in a more consolidated pot, quarterbacks are going to be making as much as coaches. And I think if you're a high school prospect or junior college, which has been like, you know, obviously Cam Newton is probably one of the better examples in recent times. It's not that folks are, have their eyes on you, but it's less likely now when you're looking at somebody who's already at a D1 school and looking to move on. And the other flip side there, too, is whether what, what happens at the end of the year. You know, in terms of, you know, people used to get really cranky about, oh, the school did all this for you and you can't be loyal to be in a bowl game. As we see that Mr. Hartman from Notre Dame is, is skipping out. And other Drake May is also going to skip his bowl game to prepare for the draft. I don't necessarily think it's a question of whether we can ask whether it's fair or foul anymore. 
you know, overnight. And you know I talked about this from day one. I said, be careful for what you wish. And we've just seen this whole transformation of college football, you know, NFL 2.0, whatever you want to call it. But I don't really know how, you know, how you govern this. I mean, the NFL is a little bit different, obviously, in the, the professional ranks. But with even the flexibility, and yes, there's a big thing going on in terms of fighting in the courts for two-time transfers, whether they can sit out a year, and if they play like the hoopsters right now, you may lose a, uh, a year of eligibility if the courts rule against you. Not sure how that's going to go. We'll see how that plays out in a couple of weeks. But nonetheless, with the amount of flexibility, I mean, look at DJ or from Corvallis, Clemson, one minute. Now he's in Clemson and Corvallis. I'm not sure where he's going yet, but he's going to choose to the NFL. Mr. Ward up in Pullman, in Cornet Ward, Pullman. Now he's sitting there scratching his chin whiskers, like, where, where next? And if you are in a Power 5 school, and you are looking to be in the expanded playoff. You're looking around the room going, hey, when we get this guy and we get, you know, maybe a couple of more pieces around him, why not us? Especially if you're in one of the power conferences. Yeah, it's interesting stuff going on there. I mean, you can sit and get on your high horse or sort of accept it. And for me, I was on a high horse. I'm not necessarily saying I've quite accepted it. I'm more still observing and just kind of wondering, you know, what does this mean in the long term? I said long ago, and you can go back and check the tape, about the guardrails. And if you didn't do this, you're going to create a very situation that we see right now. It's, it's basically anarchy meets the, the wild, wild west. And from year to year, in terms of a balance of power, your high school, or like a JUCO guy, you're sitting there wondering, you know, where I used to be coveted. And this is like, you know, if you're like a three-star, right? I think if you're a five-star, you're going to get looked at. But then again, you may sit there. I mean, Arch Manning, who would have thought he'd be on the bench for two years? Now I can understand him just chilling because he's got NIL money and he can sort of sit back and learn. But, you know, you have to think at some point he's going to be hankering to get on the field. And the other kid in the mix is like saying, I'm out of here. I know this kid Thompson has been waiting forever. But the way Oregon's mentality is now after, and Oregon has already done this in the past, you know, throughout this past decade, as far as getting the graduate transfers. But I think if you're a quarterback, you know, thinking you're going to play at Oregon, it isn't going to happen because it's too easy for them to look and say, well, yeah, you know, what Power 5 quarterback is looking for another opportunity. <laughs> and the dollars are there, especially with all these collectives going. Anyway, let's not get to the point where we're rambling. Let's flip to some hoops, seeing that 
it is in full bloom, even though there are folks out there like the Colin Cowards of the world that think it's really a three-week season where anybody cares about. But we care about it. And we can tell you that Arizona is still number one in the hardwood with Kansas, Purdue, and the defending champs, UConn, at number five, chilling, just to give you an idea there. The major upset, which I was watching the other night, obviously because it's always cool when I get to see the Rebels of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, which I did attend, got my master's from, and went to many games at the Thomas and Mack Arena. They knock off number eight, Creighton. That was on what? I think CBS Sports Network, so I was able to watch that. Or was it maybe it was on FS1? I'm not sure. Anyways, that's probably the biggest win the Rebels have had in quite some time, especially knocking off a top 10 school. As far as the ladies go, South Carolina's one, Iowa's four, LSU is seven, seven and one. They just, one of the girls from the school last year is no longer part of the team. And of course, Kim Mulkey's not telling us anything, as she has told us all along is going to be the case. But in spite of all the turmoil, they only have one loss. And, you know, Iowa, Miss Clark, she's just balling out as always. Kind of interesting to see UConn at four and three really struggling. Not sure what Gino A is going to do about that, especially three losses at this time of the year. Another big story to keep an eye on as far as the hoops go is, is Michigan already with their headaches with Harbaugh that Jawan Howard is just as much of a pain in the ass to them. And I don't know whether it's going to happen or not, but there are some who are getting the feeling that the Wolverines are ready to dump him after years of his antics. You know, we got an earful of him from J Jason Whitlock. Take that with a grain of salt, will you? But nonetheless, the shenanigans of Mr. Howard, I think, are wearing thin. And when you don't deliver the results like Mr. Harbaugh has, you don't get to be Mr. Ass Clown. You know, you get the final force and that kind of love, people tend to look the other way. But when you're just a bully that can't control your emotions, you know, basically being the coaching version of Draymond Green, that's not going to fly if you aren't producing final fours and drinking the champagne. All right, what else do we have? We got Clemson wins its second soccer title in three years. Getting it done, taking out the Irish. That was cool there. I mentioned about the injunctions for the two-time transfers. That's a big story. I get the feeling, the way the courts are leaning, they're going to say, ah, don't make them sit out of here, which is really going to create even more of anarchy meets the Wild West. So here's one that I thought is interesting in terms of the power of these collectives when you think of the big business that this is becoming and the... How do I say the allure of the inducements that these collectives can offer? Now, we've spoke about Utah's Crimson Collective providing you know, the lease vehicles for football players. Well, now they have you know, two options for not only their men and women's basketball team, but the gymnastics squad. So if men, women's basketball, and gymnastics are getting the choice of their hoopty between a truck or a, a Jeep Cherokee. This is a school like Utah, not a small fry, but definitely not 
the five course bill when it comes to the big picture as far as the real power schools. You know, don't get mad at me, you fans. Like I said, you're not a small fry, but makes me wonder at the bigger schools and then the more desperate schools, what are they, what can they do to compete at a school like Utah saying, yo, you come up right up here, you're going to have a nice hoopty, you're going to be living large during your four or five years on campus. All right. Lastly, NCAA athletes in a study just, just released are reporting fewer mental issues post-pandemic. Well, gee, I wonder why. As I just pointed out with Utah's Crimson Collective, hooking up people with nice rides and all the NIL money and all the other inducements, of course there's no mental illness. And, you know, other than people crumbing on you and get, coming at you on social media and maybe the folks who are trying to jack you, but you're living your best life. So it should be no shock that fewer mental illness issues are being reported in recent times. I mean, jeez. I think we should be looking at what is the mental illness rate for regular students watching every all these student athletes living like kings and queens while they're still eating ramen, wondering how they're going to pay off their loans when this is all done with. All right, folks, we'll be back with something you should probably know on the other side. Welcome back to the foxhole. I'm sitting here watching the Spurs in Nottingham Forest in the 36th minute. Still zeros. Yeah. Anything else? It's been already a event-filled sports day. A lot of nuggets to drop here throughout this podcast. But in the meanwhile, let's go to one of our favorite segments that we do every week, which would be called Something you should probably know, or things that happened in the world of sports this past week you might want to know or care about. Well, 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 the ROM effect, and how do we feel now that we've had a week to sort of digest and process where we are with all of this? And to be quite honest, it is pretty intriguing in terms of all of the big names quietly going over and grabbing that live money. And what does that mean for what the PGA is going to look like? I mean, obviously the majors are, are one thing. But I think the week, the week events without having a lot of the star power. I think I've, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure it's I think half of the Major winners in the last eight years are, are playing in the Live Tour right now. And I figure it might even be more than that. As we talked about last week, you start speaking of people, you know, obviously like a Mr. Rom, like Brooksy Kepka, like Mr. Bryson DeChambeau. 
You got Phil, who's always game. You know, a lot of these guys over there, some of the Europeans, it all of a sudden makes some of the regular PGA events less stellar. Yes, there are plenty of young guns. There's probably more talent in the sport than ever, you know, thanks to folks that got the itch, you know, when Tiger was redefining golf. So, but you don't have that sort of star power that the live. And if we talked about this last week, you know, the live has to find a way to become more accessible and more, yeah, I mean, I could get, we're talking like being more accessible. That fall, there's many things that fall under that heading. You know, obviously TV, understanding, and, and appeal to make people want to watch. But the main thing is get a better TV deal so we can actually see what's going on there. And we can say one thing that's kind of cool is that Tony Finau, one of the rising stars on the tour that's looking to make a name for himself as far as breaking through and winning a major, he has spurred Liv to remain in PGA at least through 2024. I know there's a big deal, which we'll talk about next week, because I'm at time to unpack it, where some of the major movers and shakers in the sports world are coming together with a big deal to bring more financing to the PGA. And hopefully we'll offer inducements to keep people in that circuit. And hopefully all of what whatever needs to happen to have a merger where we can have, you know, a National League, American League, NFC, AFC type of thing going on and put all this nonsense to rest. All of those things seem to be happening behind the scenes. I can tell you that we now know who's going to replace Paul Azinger as the, you know, the main insider that has, or the, the man with the experience behind the mic when that network's golf telecast. The fans wanted it, and I guess NBC listened, and so it appears that Jeff Ogilvie is going to replace Paul Azinger. Fans seem to dig that. As far as on the court, not on the court, on the course, Louis O, Mr. U season, outduels Charles Schwartzel to win in South Africa by two strokes, but it was very shaky. I mean, I hit the water in 17, had to make a long putt to secure the victory. There was a mixed event last week. And Lydia Ko and Jason Day take the honors at the Grant Thornton event in Florida. I think there should be more types of these events as far as getting the ladies more exposure and just fun. In terms of, like I said, appeal and exposure. It's been, it's been a while since there's been one of these, and you always ask yourself, why is that? It seems that there's so much you know, that can potential in drawing viewers in. You know, obviously, the ladies don't get it enough love to begin with. It's televised, obviously, on the Golf Channel. However, you know, the amount of hype and discussion, you know, considering that all the fabulous females that are hitting the strokes and putting fantastic scores go. So I think that that is one thing that the PGA might want to consider, especially now that it's losing a little star power. Call me crazy, but we'll see. Okay, a lot of golf talk this week. 
over in the Sweet Science. Devin Haney wins the WBC 140-pound division, beating Regis Rodriguez by a decision over in San Francisco over the weekend at the Chase Center. Kind of interesting to see a big title bite out in the city, especially in the Warriors' crib. Boxing's trying, but heck, I would have known about it had I not been looking for bullet points. And then again, we're talking the 140-pound division, so... And this is one that intrigues me. American skier Breezy Johnson under investigation for doping. So somebody out there like me, ftinfx at gmail.com. How is doping helping you skiing-wise? What does that do to, make, to give you an edge? I'm really curious there. I mean, I, I don't know. And when I saw that, you know, my eyebrows went to the ceiling like going, huh? Yeah. Somebody uh, enlightened me here. Somebody just like, that's a major hmm. So what does that do to make you, what advantage does it give you over your competitors? I don't know. Somebody should tell me. Okay, this one's a little bit interesting. So a lot of six jerseys, you know, a lot, I mean, a total of six jerseys combined. A Messi's jerseys from last year's World Cup went at auction for $7.8 million. I thought, okay, six jerseys, you know, I mean, slightly over a million each, I guess, when, it come, when it's all said and done. I guess that's, you know, a year ago, and I know Leo's shining moment. I, mean, I think the jersey from you know, the Hand of God game went for $10, $10 million for one jersey alone. So kind of interesting that maybe the person who put those up for sale maybe maybe should have waited a little bit more and let, let Messi's moment of glory age a bit, but still not bad. $8 million for six jerseys from an event from a year ago. She makes me wonder what his inner Miami jerseys are going to go for. Especially like the one from when they won the League's Cup. Don't know if it's going to pull that kind of money in, but you got to figure the market's out there. I told you last week about the Jaguars employee accused of stealing $22 million. It's still like, how do you steal $22 million and nobody's watching? Word is on the street, he is now facing 30 years in the slammer. So, the question always begs itself for if you're looking at 30 years in the Great Bar Hilton, man, you better have yourself one hell of a party and an orgy doing all kinds of freaky dinky stuff. Because I don't know if you're going to get 30 years, but then again, when you start stealing from people, when you're talking big money, they don't like that. You know, man, 30 years and let's say you do 18 for good behavior. I sure hope being locked away with all those strong, sweaty men was worth it. Just me. <laughs> all right, we'll talk some NBA when we return.
Oh yeah. Freestyling in the foxhole on a fabulous Friday afternoon. Your faithful host, Kid Harlan here. Season 6, episode 28, number 188 for those of you keeping score. Sucks of NBA beat. The play-in tournament ends up this last Saturday night. The Lakers pound the Pacers to win this. AD had a big game. Internet loses it. We'll save our hardcore thoughts for that when we get to a closer look. But yeah, it was an interesting moment. Of course, the question is going to be asked about LeBron's legacy. Does this add to it? No, I don't think so. It is what it is in terms of the league trying to promote itself and make this time of year more compelling. Because usually people kind of sleepwalk when you come to November and December games. And I think the NBA did a good job of bringing attention there. I think the conversation regarding the banner that the Lakers are going to put up is rather interesting. This is obviously elicited all kinds of emotions with people one way or the other in terms of it being sacrilege and others understanding the partnership that the league has. But we'll talk a little bit more about that in a closer look. The Lakers win the initial playing tournament taking out the Pacers. Uh, Bradley Bill returns to Phoenix. What does that mean? Well, you know, I don't know. It's quite a... He's always been an intriguing piece, you know, when he was in D.C. And you always hear Stephen A. Smith and Kendrick Perkins. Oh, I love me some Bradley Bill. And I'm still trying to figure out what the big deal is. You know, obviously Phoenix can play at a high level without him. Is it going to make a difference? I mean, I don't ever remember... The Wizards really ever setting the wool on fire. I'm not discounting the man's skills, but I, for one, am still trying to figure out why people, you know, like, you know, get excited about him, like it's chocolate chip mint ice cream, you know, after a nice piece of chocolate cake. I don't know. Okay. So Mr. Silver has come out and said, he and Ja will have a one-on-one, basically, to sort things out before he returns to the court. Now, he's basically said, I was kind of reading a little bit about this earlier, this suspension has been really tough, lonely, he's done some soul-searching, and I think it is going to be interesting to see what details that we are able to glean Definitely would love to be a fly on the wall when those two talk as far as what the plan is going to be for John moving forward. You know, to see if he can keep himself out of trouble for one and move forward from all of this. I mean, his team's at 6-15, and 15, so it's obviously been very detrimental in that regard. One has to wonder, can he even turn it around when he returns? I think he'll be a major difference. But yeah, at 6-15, and 15, you're definitely fighting an uphill battle right now. But has this humbled him? Will we see some maturity? 
And if so, could that be trouble for the rest of the Western Conference with a more focused growing-up jaw now that he's gone through this 25-game ordeal? Okay. Oklahoma City in the conversation. One, they've been in Oklahoma City for a while after leaving Seattle. And apparently, it's time for a new crib. And the question there is, will taxpayers pony up $900 million to help them get to that place? Well, you got to think so. If, if homie's not going to reach into his own pockets, and it's the only game in town, and it's pretty much what gave you a taste of professional sports outside of the Sooner. Excuse me, the Sooners and the Cowboys over there in Stillwater. So I would think, yeah, you're you're in the big time. Pay the tax, and, and deal with it. But yeah, taxpayers are gonna have to come up with basically a billion. Interesting times we continue to live in. Big story this week, obviously, is money green. That's right, Draymond. Getting ejected and a loss, basically assaulting Nurkic. Getting an uh, what is it? An indefinite suspension based on past offenses. Even his coach calling him, calling it out, and basically saying, "Hey, something's had to change." He said that before the last suspension, but here, Mr. Silver, obviously, we just talked about, you know, hopefully trying to put this Morant headache behind him. Now having to deal with Money Green and his antics. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do about this. Because it's one thing to bring the kind of edge that he does. But the repeat offender and this tough guy stuff that I've always kind of called him out on. Right, taking the enforcer level you know, to this bullying level that the NBA doesn't want in their product anymore. This isn't the 70s, 80s, or even 90s as far as that goes when that kind of stuff was permitted. No, no, no. German Silver wants his people to behave. He doesn't like that sort of thing. And, you know, when you have someone like Steve Kerr, who usually has his players back, but he's just, I mean, just looking at all the things that Draymond has been a part of in recent times, had enough. We'll definitely be looking more into this as the league really decides to see where they're going to do about this. I mean, you know, the Warriors lost again last night, and they're, they're, they're floundering, right? I mean, let's take a quick look here at where they're at, if I can, while I'm sitting here roaming through. Spurs got a goal before halftime, so they're up at 1-0. If you look at the Warriors, they're 10-14. and 4-6 and six in their last 10. You're not going to have Draymond for a bit. Question definitely comes up: Is it over for the for the Dubs? Obviously, adding Chris Paul, which we pretty much knew was going to make them older, and Clay, even though he's running his mouth, looking hella washed. Interesting times in the Bay. <laughs> okay, what else do we have? You know, Zion got a lot of flack last week. In that loss in the playing tournament, but you gotta give him credit because the Wolves have been balling out. They're off to their best start ever, one of the hot teams. 
Zion had 36 in the Pell's bounce back game. And Pelicans take care of business defeating the Wolves. Bottom line here, you just need to see more of that. It's so hit or miss with Zion. You know, obviously the, the, the skills are there. And that team can be very threatening when he's at the top of his game. I mean, nothing against CJ, but, you know, I look at him, I look at Zion and Brendan Ingram and just go, man, it's almost like I, I was saying before Russ actually started resurrected his game. Those two need to go see a sports psychiatrist to figure out what it is to get them to play at an elite level all the time. There's just something about both of those guys where, and you know, Anthony Davis to a certain extent as well, a former Pelican G. But what is it about where these folks don't always bring their A game? Okay. Team to keep an eye on, the Clippers. Six in a row, 11 of 14, after beating the Warriors last night. Speaking of Russell Westbrook coming off the bench. Yeah. I told folks not to hit the panic button. There's too much talent there. I still do agree when it comes to money time. You know, will there be enough basketballs? But everybody seems to have accepted their role. And right now, Kawhi's healthy, and he's scoring on the 30s on, on a consistent basis. So this comes to be is no surprise to anyone in terms of the Clippers being kind of scary. Who's not scary? The Pistons, 22 and counting. Yeah, 22 losses. The Spurs, 18 and counting, even though they did give the Lakers a little bit of a scare the other night. But between those two teams, that's 40 losses in a row. Ouch. Talk about a black eye. Gee whiz. Moving along here. What about the whole thing with Giannis going for 64 and then chaos ensuing at the end of that as the Pacers trying to be slick taking the game ball for a rookie that I guess he got his first points. Love look, listening to, you know, the explanations, you know, from the Pacers coach. and just, Especially it being in Milwaukee. So that was kind of weird to see, you know, all that nonsense kind of taken away from Giannis going off for a franchise record. 64. Huh. Lastly. KG calling out Paul Pierce for all the LeBron slander. I'll have to talk about LeBron later, but I think it makes sense. And it's almost like, okay, Paul Pierce, you've milked that 2008 championship quite a bit. Take LeBron's name out of your mouth and just enjoy the one ring you want, got so we don't have to call you out about you not getting it done with the Nets. Not adding to your legacy, losing to the Lakers in the rematch. You seem to forget about all of that. And yet, all you have to do is like talk shit about LeBron not being a top 10 player. Okay, if he's not a top 10 player, that means you're not a top 50 or top 75 player, which probably may be the case anyways. I don't know. You tell me. FTINFX at gmail.com. All right, we'll be back with some beautiful game life when we return.
Hi, welcome back to the Foxhole. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan here. Episode 188. Nice. Well, it's not really nice because we're waiting for the sun to actually pop out. But, you know, it's a very serene Friday afternoon up here in the South Hills of Eugene, Oregon. Watching a little Premier League. The holiday season with Christmas being 10 days away. Hope everybody's getting their shopping done and taking care of the people that matter the most to them in this lifetime. All right, let's go pitch side. A little disturbing stuff to begin with. Reports coming out this week about the United States women national team being targets of overwhelming online abuse during the World Cup window, which is not a surprise, but... I also have to take a moment to editorialize on this one. Now, regardless of what you think of Megan R. and that team's propensity to show wokeness, whether you think it's woke or agree or not, other than this last World Cup where the world has gotten better, these ladies have delivered. Love it or not. And to sit there and be a P, U, blah, 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 behind your keyboard. I won't use the P word, but just be a, just be fucking a weak ass F behind your keyboard. Really? Instead of calling out the ladies and, and threatening and saying all this abusive stuff, you don't have to like them. I don't care if you even giggle when they lost, but the abusive stuff online... You know, right from somebody whose probably name is Hakeem at Yahoo nine one nine 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 nonsense with 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 a blank avatar or no picture. It's like whatever. They, they don't deserve that, especially how well they have done. You can take issue with some of the things that they've done, but it doesn't mean you have to like resort to online abuse. I think it's actually lame. And, you know, hopefully we monitor this better and call it out. It's not going to go away because there's too many ass clowns who will sit behind and will act like tough guys behind their keyboards or their fake podcast names and talk kinds of trash and stuff. Nobody can come at them. What you think you're achieving by doing that? Peace the hell out of me. Okay. We had the MLS Cup that this past weekend. On Saturday in Columbus. Kind of a rough afternoon for me. As you know, I'm an LAFC fan. But hey, give it up to the crew. They sparkled in taking out the defending champs. They came out with an aggressive mindset. And basically showed how one-dimensional LAFC has become. Running everything through Dennis Boenga. You know, college fellow being a shell of what he was in 2018 and 2019. Know that a lot of LAFC fans made the trip out there and were very disappointed. But Columbus, when you got things done on the road leading up to it, taking out Orlando and FC Cincinnati, I was very leery of them knowing that they were playing better. I thought LAFC did a fantastic job given the circumstances that you know they played in what a record 52 matches. And most teams that go through the gauntlet of SCCL, CONCACAF Champions League, 
and now adding the League's Cup, Campion's Cup, flame out and don't even get this far. So they, they have the opportunity to defend their title. They come up short 2-1. What is next for LAFC? Well, probably, you know, you know, Cialini has already bid his goodbye. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Carlos Vela. I keep seeing pictures on social media of him and Griezmann having a little bro fest, and maybe that's the key to keeping him here. But Griezmann's under contract to 2026, and I don't think there is going to be any weird transfer fee that they can afford. So, who knows? Maybe LAFC may have to take a step back and retool. You know, I, I have faith in Thornton and company, and the league in general, to make sure that doesn't happen. But you have to wonder, you know, have they squeezed as much juice out of this iteration of the club? Which, you know, kind of segues into my next question. What does MLS do next? There are some changes coming. There's going to be a, sh a clock instituted you know, for injuries and VAR and sort of stuff. But you're not yet seeing the major ch changes that people were really hoping for. And that's basically restructuring the salary rules so teams like an LAFC can compete in CONCACAF Champions League and the expanded version that's coming up in the future and not deplete themselves for the regular season. And just take off the purse, take off the purse restrictions for teams that are ambitious and want to compete like the rest of the world. That's not happening yet. You get the inclination. Garber says he wants to ease towards that. Game's popular than than it's ever been as far as the league is concerned. That's something to take note of. Yeah, it probably not translates on TV, but as I said before, the hardcore fans. You know, are, are in the stadium and they're in Apple. As far as it growing beyond that, I don't not seeing that yet. But it has a solid product. People are making money. There's a lot of excitement within the, the clubs, the product itself. I just don't know if it's having you know appeal to the casual users. You know, right? The, the hardcores are always tuned into it, and there's a solid base there. And that's why I, I think it has become probably the fourth sport, you know, in terms of the bigs and fighting with the NHL. But, you know, similar situations there as well. You know, not a lot of national appeal, but when the actual clubs themselves. So, yeah, I, I, it's just one of those things to where, as far as what MLS needs to do next, in my opinion, is find a way to become more appealing. And I don't know how you do that because it's so hard to even keep the people that are hardcore, you know, bitching about the playoff format, bitching about this and that. But definitely start with the salaries and sort of, you know, loosen that up so we have a chance to win, you know, the international competitions, be able to be in the Club World Cup, which is going on right now. Lyon would be LAFC, I think, lost today, so I think they're done. And I'm not sure. Maybe it's two legs. I have to look that up. Okay. So, after all the, no, it's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. Inter is going to Saudi after all. Inter-Miami, that is. And we will get to see Messi and Ronaldo. What probably happened there was somebody jumped the gun, and ran their mouth before they should have. 
But yeah, that's going to happen. They've also got some other attractive preseason matches. So that's the year to brace yourselves. It's coming sooner than you think. We had a big week in UCL as that wraps up the group stage. Byron sends United packing. More questions at Old Trafford than ever with Mr. Ten Hag's future. PSG, with a huge assist from AC Milan, qualify for the round of 16. AC Milan behind Kristen Pulisic's goal. Basically, the loser here is Newcastle as they come away with nothing. After all that trash they were talking about, smoking PSG's pack. Yeah. Bye, Newcastle. Nothing for you. AC Milan gets to qualify Europa League. No big surprises there. I mean, they have to beat Barcelona, but Barcelona's in the final 16. Nothing really shocking. Now we're just looking forward to the draw. What we do know is that was the last of the group stage. There's going to be a new format in 2024. Four more teams and a different way of how things are going to look before the knockout round. You'll get more into that as we understand what exactly happening here. But yes, we are in the era with this version of UCL. Just something to make note of. A quick glance around the leagues. Girona is still leading La Liga after winning at Barcelona. They lead by two, which is pretty impressive, even at this stage. Long ways to go, but hey, we always love seeing a good story. Never with the bigs usually fighting their way before the calendar, not the calendar year, but the season is over. But nonetheless, you never know. We might get to see some new blood. When was the last time you saw new blood over in La Liga? Of the Premier League, the defending champs are four, four points behind Liverpool. The Gunners are one point behind the Reds. I think it's the, the, the Liverpool has 37, Arsenal 36, Aston Villa 35. So that's a nice race here as we get ready for the holidays. Over in the Bundesliga, shockingly, Bayer Leverkusen leads by four, although Bayern Munich does have a game in hand. I seriously doubt when it's all said and done, they're going to relinquish their stranglehold as far as Bundesliga titles are concerned. But at least Leverkusen, like Union Berlin last year, are keeping it interesting. Over in League 1, League One, PSG, with its defeat of Nantes, still has a four-point lead. Always shaky there, but I think, you know, Mr. Enrique is starting to slowly put together a very solid squad as far as that goes. Lastly, Inter leads Juventus by two after 15 minutes. Inter Milan, that is, leads Juventus by two after 15 matches. That's what's going on pitch side. We'll be back with a big story in Nightfall Diamonds. Welcome back to the foxhole. 
Second half underway with the Spurs leading Nottingham Forest 1-0 in the 50th minute. All right, let's go to the Nightfall of Diamonds. You know I have to always start with my hippie reference. I've got one better this week. I was kind of reaching the last couple of weeks. There's not a lot going on in that universe. But apparently with Fish slated to play the Spear next spring, the snooze factory cannot be left out. And apparently Mr. Weir and the powers that be are trying to arrange for Dead and Company to have their moment at the Spear as well because they can't be left out and let the Fish kids have all the love. Ugh. Yeah, I had the feeling that knowing, knowing the ego Weir has, there's no way he would be able to stomach the, the fish world. Loving it up, was like, hey, that's a pretty good idea. And the truth is, even though the music could whatever, that I'm sure the dead and its propensity to create incredible visuals, that'll be quite the scene as far as the snooze factory being at the spear. You wouldn't catch me there because I'll never be down with that money grab. But it'll be fun for whatever heads that want to like dump up their bank accounts when the deadheads take over the spear. Obviously, you know, fish paves the way this time for them. And the more the merrier. Definitely looking forward to my first spear experience whenever that comes. All right, let's get to the real Nightfall of Diamonds. And the story is, okay, you know I talked a bunch of shit about, uh, oh, Donnie, are you sure you want to go to the Dodgers? Well, it's over. He is a Dodger now. Yesterday, the, did his photo op, the white jersey looking good. $700 million. Could part of it deferred so the Dodgers can actually be competitive. Very flexible. He has it out if the if, if he doesn't like changes in the management structure. So it's a good deal for all parties. A lot of fallout of the structure. We'll get to that a little bit more in the next segment, I believe. What is the expectation for Otani and the Dodgers? Well, damn, Dodgers have only won so many division titles, and the reason you're bringing him in here, obviously, it's one in terms of to solidify your place in the L.A. market as an attraction, but it's also because he's a hell of a ball player. Not going to pitch immediately, but the, the wind rings, and he might be that missing piece. There are some questions as far as injuries are concerned. Yeah, Otani and Dodger, $700 million. The Giants apparently matched that offer, but as cool as the Bay is, it isn't, it isn't the sports mecca that L.A. is right now. Come at me, Bay Area people, all you want. You know it's true. It just, I can see the you know, Giants with all the money that they have access to making that kind of offer. But when it comes down to what Otani can achieve in L.A. and the visibility, L.A. was going to win. San Diego, on the other hand, I don't know what you do. And obviously... They made a big move this week, or was that last week, obviously, with Soto, which is really crazy. I forgot to mention the whole thing about his card, but we'll get to that later. But yeah, San Diego, definitely shocked. They've been making noise about trying to steal the Dodgers' thunder. This isn't going to happen this way. You know, obviously, having to reach out and get loans to make payroll, a lot, a lot of work there. 
I don't know how the angels respond now that Otani is gone, especially that he stayed in the L.A. market going up to L.A. and leaving Orange County. The angels always sort of second fiddle to the Dodgers. Well, gee, it's not even second fiddle, right? You're actually busking for a spare change on the street at this point in terms of how monumental of a ship that is, having him go up the five to Chavez Ravine. All right. How about the smokescreen with Toronto? Did anybody think that? And the fucking that the, bat, the betters bought that hook, line, and sinker. That at one point, Toronto emerged as the odd fav, odds-on favorite to win the World Series because there's all this talk. Give Okatani and his people credit for creating that smokescreen. Or whoever. And there were some people out there that are really cranky who, who hopped on those, those odds when they appeared. What else do we have as far as that fall of diamonds is concerned? Mad Max, Mr. Scherzer, is going to miss the first half of the season after back surgery. You got to wonder, you know, as he's getting long, long, long in the tooth, how much viability there. We know this, that at least for the first half of the season, he's going to be on the shelf. Interesting thing coming out of T Tampa Bay, St. Petersburg. Now, it's trying to flex because their, their folks are going to be putting up a lot, some, a lot of the money to get this new stadium to replace the joke of a facility they have. Now, St. Pete wants a name change when they become the St. Petersburg Rays as opposed to the team, not so much. The team says Tampa's a more national name, the Buccaneers and blah, 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 that they'd rather... Be affiliated with Tampa as opposed to St. Pete. But St. Pete's saying, hey, if we're raising the money, it should be on the table as far as maybe a name change. Interesting. We'll see how it goes there. It's all about the branding. And since we're talking about the Angels, you know, they weren't okay with Anaheim, you know, Angels or the California Angels. It's like, no, we got to be Los Angeles, even though we're down the road in the OC. Okay. You got state officials in Baltimore, Maryland. Well, I should say state officials in Maryland, but they're talking about the Baltimore Orioles. That they're going to vote on a long-term lease for Camden Yards to keep the Orioles there for at least the, new, the, next, the, new, the next three decades. Whew. Need some uh, caffeine here. Brains get a little bit foggy going through all these segments so quickly. Makes sense. Yeah, there was talk possibly, of the Orioles leaving Baltimore for a greener pasture. She knew that wasn't going to happen. Camden Yards was what set off this new slew of all these great ballparks. Cookie cutter, in my opinion, but nonetheless, they're wonderful places to spend a spring, summer, and early fall afternoon. Yeah, you know, Camden Yards is the granddaddy of the all. The Orioles have an incredible product on the field. It just makes sense for them to just get a deal done, keep them there, and hopefully what they achieved last year, a few years back, they continue to build on and entertain the fans up in Baltimore. Win-win there. Okay, let's get on our Zamboni. And let's go around the ice rink of life. The Blues fire Craig Burby. Why is that a big deal? Well, he won the cup in 2019, 
It's only 2023 people. Which goes back to what I've been saying about there is no patience and this is truly a what have you done for me lately world. Now mind you, St. Louis, no longer having the Cardinals or Rams, don't have hoops. You would think somebody that won a ring and got the champagne flowing there, that might buy them more than four years of security, but apparently not. How quickly we forget. And, you know, the Blues have kind of fallen on a hard time since hoisting the Cup in 2019. Folks are having none of that. And lo and behold, a man's out of a job. Yeah. I told you about the Oilers coming after their really horrendous start. Lo and behold, they've won eight out of nine. And definitely are a team that you all need to be reckoned with. Another team to keep an eye on of the New York Islanders. Very quiet. And all the talk's been about the Rangers, but the Islanders are seven and two. Seven, two, and one in their last ten. They've got four straight wins, and they only trail the Rangers by four points. And nobody's talking about them. Just saying. What else do we have? Let's go with the quick power rankings. A little flip-flop here. Vegas, the defending champs are number one. The aforementioned Rangers are two. The Kings holding steady at three. Boston at four, Vancouver at five. All right, we will return with a closer look on the other side. Welcome back to the foxhole. Ripping through another episode. Lovely to get done midday. Part of a fabulous Friday. The Spurs have scored another goal. It's now 2-0, although it might be a red card that might make the last 21 minutes interesting as a Spurs player gets a little bit reckless. But let's go with a closer look. Time to opinionate, editorialize, offer up some observations on this past week of nuttiness. Where should we start? Let's go back to the Utani deal. The fallout over the structure. The many teams being very upset that he's deferring the money and people saying how unfair it is and that there needs to be a rule. And I think baseball has always been cool with that. You know, obviously, Ken Griffey Jr. and Bobby Bonilla come to mind. And the thing with the Dodgers and this, it's just, it, I, it, teams need to be flexible when it comes to this kind of money, right? Because I think it, at this point, it's probably going to hurt people down the road paying for it, as far as tickets and other stuff. But in the short term, it makes so much sense in order to go out and get other pieces. You know, unlike other sports where you spend all this money and you can't do anything else. Give this kid, you know, all kinds of props that, that he gets it. And he didn't come here just to, just to be a face. He wants to win. He got a taste of winning the World Baseball Classic. 
He wants to, and, and the Angels, it wasn't going to happen. He wants to win. And he wants to put the Dodgers in a position to do that. And I think that's very clever. I, though I wasn't really happy about the flexibility <laughs> in terms of if we have changes in our, in our management structure, seeing that I'm not a big fan of Andrew Friedman, but I will give Friedman credit for bringing him here. And, yeah, it's just, it makes sense. I think you should see more of that. So who cares if he's getting paid buku bucks after after it's done? Making it, The Dodgers are a brand. They're going to be able to generate revenue, especially if he delivers in a way that at least the league and Dodger fans hope so, they're going to recoup their investment, especially globally and the, and the potential of Asia. So it, it makes a lot of sense. And I think other teams are going to probably need to go that route as well if they can pull it off and get players to buy into that kind of thinking. I think it's a very adaptable model for teams that have long-term earning potential like the Dodgers. The Dodger brand's always going to be strong, always has been. Going to make the money, and it's not going to be like the Padres looking for looking for loans to keep the to keep the lights and the payroll taken care of. Yeah. Okay. What's it make about the play-in tournament and did it truly exceed expectations? As I was saying earlier, yeah, it. I don't think it, 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 it enhances anyone's legacy. Obviously, come March, April, I'm not sure if anyone's going to remember who even won it. I think it was cool for, for the Lakers, not because I'm a Laker fan, but that a team with an illustrious history like the Lakers took it seriously and took it upon themselves to win the first one. And the idea, then putting up a banner is issues that I have with it. You have to give the Lakers this. They're a partnership with the league in terms of trying to make this a viable thing and pushing it. And so, of course, you want to put up some kind of, I don't know, distinction, acknowledgement, do I think this thing can be tweaked a little bit? Yeah. I think there should be a little incentive. And the idea, I mean, it's pretty cool that everybody gets a half a million dollars. And this was pointed out throughout the telecast that for some of these fringe players, that's pretty good, you know, 43 to 50% of their salary for playing, in, you know, winning this tournament. I think it also should have some bearing that to say if you win this, and you stumble, you don't. Have, you get automatically bumped out of the playing round. There has to be some kind of seating. I mean, I can't. I mean, if you stink it up, I don't think that should give you a pass to the playoffs and take away from some deserving team. But it may allow you to bump somebody down into the playing round as a perk for winning it. I don't see that being too much of a criminal offense there. Now, the, the fact that teams were into were really into it, you saw some spirited play along the, along the way. The league got more eyeballs. I mean, obviously, 
this was, you know, one of its higher rated games on this side of the year, as far as, you know, talking about Christmas games in years. People liked it. Yeah, you know, you're going to have the trigger. Anarchists screaming and yelling, but it doesn't matter. They'd be screaming about anything else. Do this and no, this doesn't enhance LeBron's legacy, as I said, and the beautiful, I mean, in the, in the eight beat, we're all over the place. Definitely need some caffeine. It doesn't enhance anything as far as LeBron's concerned. Yeah, he was the first one to do it. LeBron wins some more real rings, okay? <laughs> but fact that they were engaged there was a big audience and people were talking about it still speaking about it I don't know if they'll be speaking about it, you know when, when we start getting into the real but there's something to build on for the NBA as well I'm getting at and I think yeah it did exceed expectations I know I crumbed on it hardcore going into this and I found myself not going hey cool we won but it was good theater and it can only get better. And anything to draw some attention this time of the year from the juggernaut that's the NFL and college football, that's saying something, you know, as, for, as far as the NBA is concerned. Just saying. What else do we have? I think we have a third point this week. Yeah, I'll leave you with this one. So I always like to bring up the Rooney Rule every now and then, see where we're at and what makes sense in today's NFL. And I, I've brought this up many times in the past. You know, in terms of the Rooney Rule sort of being obsolete and what makes sense in today's NFL. There's some good examples going on right now. You know, obviously the job that my man, you know, Mr. Ryans has done in Houston. The lack of success I feel Eric Bieniemy has had in D.C. Antonio Pierce's Successful run in Vegas. Gerald Mayo possibly being a, a candidate for a potential Patriots job or other jobs. I do feel that the pendulum is moving. And as I've said many times in the past, being part of these successful coaching trees and organizations, the opportunities are going to start to come. I mean, when you look, at, and look at, even if you're not part of this, you just look at Antonio Pierce. Now, take away what happened last night. They're three and two. Would the Raiders be better served chasing after a Harbaugh or some 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 other fly candidate? Maybe, because you know how what times going with the player's choice doesn't always work. But nobody can argue how the the Raiders are a much more entertaining product with Pierce than they are with McDaniels was. Not even not even night and day. Apples and oranges. None of I mean, it's just ridiculous. And take away the aberration of last night. Last night was bad. Raider scoring sixty three points. I'll get a little bit more into the next segment. Flip over to Eric Bianami. This is a little bit more tricky. People crumbed on him not getting a shot as a head coach. And you know, part of that may be his oppressive personality. And we kind of know where we're pivoting as far as athletes are concerned. It's harder to pull off that with today's athlete. It just is. 
we can't dismiss the fact that the Chiefs' offense isn't as prolific with him gone. But is that more of a case of guys like Tyree, Juju Sluster, and others? You know, the Chiefs having to not only shuffle personnel, but then again, folks getting more and more film study on how to slow Mahomes and company down. And, okay, they're 8-5, and five, but crap, they could easily be 12-1. and one. So let's not go too overboard that they've taken a step back. What I can see is guys in D.C. like Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, whose production are radically down. And, it's, you know, we have a lot of folks who really think, well, regardless of what happens with Rivera, we got to make sure we keep enemy for Sam Howell's development. But Sam Howell's posting up numbers on a very bad team. And at, at four and nine, I believe is what the commander's record is, coming out of a bye, I don't know if that's a ringing endorsement for enemy or not. Same thing with the guy in New England. In terms of, well, promote him. I mean, obviously, Ryan's coming from Houston and a successful story in San Francisco, and he's taken that to Houston, it makes you take a pause and go, well, maybe we want to get somebody like that. And so it's, it's all circumstance at this point in terms of, A, can you actually coach and be a good motivator of men in the late today's athlete and get results? It can't just be all flashes. We don't, with the enemy, we just don't know. I'm not knocking, Eric, because there's all kinds of data points. But I'm just, at this point, I get why he probably hasn't got a head coaching job. You know, whereas someone like Ryan's coming from Kyle, Stan Kyle Shanahan's staff and immediately goes to a team that was arguably more of a dumpster fire than even the commanders are. And they're on the cusp of making the playoffs. Ball don't lie, as they say. Just saying. Just some food for thought as we look at the coaching carousel. And I do think Pierce should get a shot at coaching the Raiders. Why the hell not? The players seem to, to gravitate to him and his results. It's not quite there. But hey, they lost the game 3-0. Or at this point, what would he be? At this point, would it be five and two as opposed to four and three? I might have those numbers wrong. But it wouldn't be a travesty if Mark Davis decided to give him the head coaching job. It wouldn't be a travesty if Mark Davis goes out and goes for a bigger fish like a Harbaugh or someone like that to go to the next level. I think he's in a really good position. Either way he goes, as long as he doesn't make the wrong move in terms of, of, of not going with Pierce and going with somebody who's a clown. You know, if you make a swing for Harbaugh and it doesn't work out, it doesn't work, it doesn't work out. But you can't be crumbed on for making a move like that. So I have a problem with that. I think the situation, which I'll get into more in the next segment, like with the Patriots, if it's true that Belichick's days are numbered, you know, the guy there... You know, he's he's got a lot of problems with people, but is that necessarily a good situation? 
and the way the Patriots have gone in recent years, do you really want somebody from that staff? It'll be an intriguing offseason. And, you know, these questions and conversations are definitely going to come up. We'll be back with the NFL report in TMCA time to get you out of here when we return. things up for episode 188 let's go to the nfl report shall we i know after this last segment talking about the coaching carousel and some of the potential conversations that are going to come up in the ensuing months as the 2023 season wraps up and we get to the postseason last weekend was crazy six division leaders lost big stuff Chiefs fall again, as I just was talking a minute ago about BNME and Mahomes and company. The Bills rebound and look like it become very scary. As I mentioned in the opening segment about officiating, Mahomes melting down. Yeah, let's put it this way. It's a penalty. But when I was speaking earlier to being consistent and knowing when to call stuff. And the fact that what could have been one of those scrapbook moments for NFL films gets negated with, you know, Kelsey making the heads up lateral and which was a game changer. I'm still not worried about the Chiefs. You know, they've lost some of these games recently, but it's just kind of narrow. And it's just one of these things, all they got to do is just get in there and they're going to be dangerous. You know they can get it done on the road if they have to. You know as long as Mahomes is there. And I get the feeling these receivers, even though I don't know how Mr. Tony shows his face in Kansas City these days, you get the feeling as we get closer to money time, these guys who are not making plays are going to make them. The other side of that, the Bills looking really scary. Just because. Not impressive. The more they're around, and I've written them off, but I'm also not naive in the regard that the right sort of circumstances, they can go on a deep run. Do I think they can win the rings? No, because until they prove that they're not the Vikings you know, of this era, and that's Jim Kelly on, right? Until they prove to be otherwise, I'm not going to believe they can win the ring. They can always be a tough out. Okay. The Cowboys, batter, fly, eagles, fly. Continue their incredible string of, what I don't know why they won, 18 in a row at home or something like that. More questions about the Eagles. The NFC is really upside down now. With the Niners, Eagles, and Cowboys all at three losses. The Eagles, that were kind of, I mean, they're a good team, but we've always had questions about the aesthetics and their defense. And right now, two really bad losses. And getting bossed by the Cowboys after the 49ers. 
hit the panic button? No. I do believe, in spite of their issues on defense, they're still very dangerous as far as the playoffs are concerned. That's just the way it goes. But now we're in a very interesting stretch run because the Cowboys have a big game in Buffalo. I believe the Eagles travel to Seattle and Gina will be back. So big matchups this weekend. Speaking of the Niners, they defeat the Seahawks. Now the folks in the Bay are thinking Super Bowl as Brock Purdy continues to ball out and make people happy and talk, MVP talk and all that sort of stuff. The Ravens, quietly not mentioned, get a big walk-off punt return in a thriller with the Rams. That All the talk about the big three of the NFC and the Ravens are still taking care of their business. You had Trevor Lawrence doing his Clint Eastwood, John Wayne imitation. But it wasn't enough to stop Joey Flacco and the Browns who refused to go away. And before he comfortable he gets with that defense, another team that is looking to be a tough out and you probably don't want to face in the playoffs. And Baker smoking the Falcons Bowl. Said so you ain't smoking the Baker Bowl this week. And now at 6-7, and seven, they take over the South. But the Saints are also 6-7 and seven, and that quagmire of a division. But nonetheless, the Baker Bowl looking very good. The Lions lose in Chicago, and yeah, why aren't we surprised? I'm not writing off the Lions, but what I've, I've been saying all along, the Lions have to prove to all of us that they won't be the Lions. And they should have lost to the Bears a few weeks ago. You know it. I know it. Lions fans will probably tell you something else. But right now, if you're in Dejoa, yeah, you're feeling that turtleneck is a size too small right now. You're kind of reaching around your neck. Not saying the that the Lions have hit the iceberg or are becoming a Titanic. Plenty of time to still be very scary and be a tough out. But you got to be able to take care of business against teams you should beat. They should be in the driver's seat right now for the top seed and make teams go to Fort Phil. But I don't see that coming. I see more losses coming their way because their defense, like the Eagles, is also a mess. And it's Formidable as her office has been, and Jared Goff also kind of, you know, getting back to his turnover ways. They're not looking as formidable as they need to in this latter stage of the season. Okay. The Broncos batter the Chargers. Herbie goes down. We'll get more about the Chargers here in a minute. The Packers lose a game they needed to win at MetLife. The legend of Tommy DeVito continues to grow. Give Mr. Brian Debo all kinds of credit. They could have tanked the season and went for the pick. But who knows? Maybe they run the table and somehow fluke their way into the playoffs. The balling, a very, very bad win for a Packer team that looked like they had a chance to catch the aforementioned Lions who are wobbling. No reason to let that Giants team who's playing better. And yeah, there's not a pushover. And you know, the Giants tried to, to screw the game up. 
with Saquon losing the ball and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, very bad loss for the love boat. I mean, it's not his fault, but just in general, that's a game you cannot lose given you know how promising things were starting to look for them. The Titans studying the Dolphins, another bad loss, letting the Titans, who somehow should have been given their last rights in that game, get off the carpet and score two touchdowns late for a team that was poised to take over the top seed in the AFC, not getting it done. Tyreek's hurt. His status is up in the air for this week. He came back, but you got to think if he's not sound, whatever hope you thought they had is galloping down, down the stretch somewhere else. Just saying. Okay, the big story. The Raiders put up a 63 spot on the Chargers last night. And the end of the road for Brandon Staley has now happened. What took so long, we don't know. But we're talking about a Raider team that lost 3-0 last week, all of a sudden looking like the 85-49ers last week. <laughs> Clearly a team that had given up. And we know the Spanos family is cheap and slow to act. But yeah, Staley's put out of his misery. You fans of Justin Herbert can now brave a sigh of relief that maybe the Spanos family can make the right move and bring somebody over. I kind of giggle about uh, a friend of ours in town. He's no longer here. Good, good man. You know, lifelong Washington fan, but decided to switch to the Chargers because, you know, he's a big Duck fan and his love for Justin Herbert and all that kind of stuff made him a Charger fan only to have the Chargers become perhaps even bigger dumpster fire than the Commanders, if that's even possible. So, yeah, the GM's gone as well. It's a new day in Los Angeles as far as the Chargers are, are concerned. We'll see what happens there. All right, folks, let's wrap it up. TMZA time. Time to hand out the stainless steel bowls of the smelly varieties to folks whose Actions or deeds of just being who they be earn that distinction in the complimentary regular and XL sizes of the smelliest varieties. We're just going to give complimentaries to any fans that made threats to the United States national women's team during the World Cup last year that's come to light. Shame on you. Hate on them, but keep it at that. You don't need to go behind your keyboards and act tough. And say things that, it's just no place for that. Grow the fuck up. Okay, complimentaries go around to the Eagles and Cowboys fans. If you saw the scenes that were all over social media, fans fighting with each other, fans beating each other up. Anytime I see this, the complimentaries are going to be handed out. It's like, come on, let the teams beat each other on the field. What the hell are you doing being a tough guy for? What? Come on, people. Yeah, what else do we have? We're going to have an XL, two XLs, for the Illinois States fan that called. Let's see here, I lost my place here. Get to you. Yeah, the Illinois State fan that called Jamari Thomas the N-word. You know, we have cameras, microphones everywhere. What, what, what are you people thinking? 
leave that nonsense behind. You're, you're cranky because you're lost or somebody's doing something that you're going to drop the N-bomb? Oh, good grief. Okay. Two XLs that can go in LAFC's trophy case for their fans that were throwing beer at crew, at crew supporters being cranky during LAFC's disappointing loss in the MLS Cup final last week. Take your lumps and don't give all the haters out there reason to hate the black and gold legion even more. Come on, we're better than that, people. Very disappointed to hear about that. Okay. Colby Covington, big UFC fight this week. Using using LBJ, and I'll get to that in a second, LeBron James, basically calling him a calling him the P word and all watching calling him a bitch and say he wants to take him on for his display, which I'll talk about in a second. Get LeBron's name out of your mouth and stop propping yourself up. Yeah, you pander to the Trumpites and the outkick crowd. But you know damn well LeBron's never gonna take you out. And other than you reaching out and getting a few clicks by putting LeBron's name in your mouth. Nobody gives a hell of who you are, and you better hope you don't get your ass knocked out tomorrow in the UFC draw, because you'll be on here again next week. Now, LeBron, you get an XL for your display during Bronny's game. Really, dude? Now, I forgot to mention that earlier, that Bronny's debut and how they choked against Long Beach State. Big win for the Big West Conference, I might add, but Come on, LeBron. Showing disrespect to the national anthem. Why give people a reason to hate you? Now, whatever issues you may have with America, at least go nine-tenths of the way and not be disrespectful, shuffling around and not paying attention to the flag. This is what people who hate you want. You'll say, well, they're being racist. No, you're giving them a reason that they, that they should never have. You know, it doesn't take that much, and you can't say America hasn't been good to you in spite of the things you might find wrong with it, like a lot of us may find wrong, but it's still time love our country. Come on, LeBron. That's just very poor optic. You deserve two XLs for that. Grow up and have some respect, okay? Um, Speaking of LeBron's team, I'm going to give the Lakers a regular size even though it's not bad for them to hang up a banner to be partners with the league, when you have 17 banners and you've crumbed on people for hanging up division championship banners, you cannot hang up a, a play-in tournament. Even if you want to show the league you actually are all in for this. Uh-uh. Nope, not having it. I'm going to give an XL to DK Metcalf for letting the Niners get into his head and him completely losing it playing into what they thought you would do. Come on, bro. Be a bit better than that, huh? Okay, complimentaries go out to the Swifties. We're claiming they're the reason why Al Michaels was dropped from the playoff announcing roster. Swifties. It has nothing to do with you. It's because Al's getting senile, and he just isn't bringing his A game to these broadcasts. When it comes to the playoffs, we want a little bit more than cantankerous Al Michaels. Nice try, Swifties. Okay, lastly, you're going to give an XL to the Pacers for being lame over Giannis' game ball in the 64-point game. 
You know that rookie getting <laughs> getting his first basket when you're in the other places, the other team's arena, in their house when the guy has a historic night. Mind you, this is the team Kareem played for, and him scoring 64 points. Come on, man, no place for that. All right, folks, we have successfully got through another fabulous episode in the foxhole. Winding down season six. Can't believe we already have six of these in the, in the book. Promise we're going to have more fun stuff coming up with another compelling sports weekend in front of us as we get closer to the college football playoff, the NFL playoffs. All sorts of goodness. Looking forward on the other side when we get to 2024. Meanwhile, we'll be back six to eight days with some more compelling conversation. If you want to be on the podcast, reach out. F-T-I-N-F-X at Gmail. This weekend, enjoy some adult beverages. Get your Christmas shopping done. Enjoy the company of others. Rock it at your Christmas party. We'll see you soon.